Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Acts, chapter 8. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. And on my wedding band, we've got the menorah and the, and, the, and the Star of David and the Christian Fish. You know that, that graphic that we gave on those t-shirts? And I've had more people ask me, hey, what's that on your wedding band? And I have an opportunity to say, well, you know, the Jewish faith and the Star of David and the Christian Fish. And I'm a Christian and Jesus died. And, and you know, and I have an opportunity. Hey, you're standing in the supermarket at Food Lion. You've got the magazines that are crowding the lines, by the way. There are more and more magazines. And you got the Star Magazine, the headlines on the Star Magazine, you know, aliens invading the White House. <laughs> you hear the guy behind you say, well, man, what in the world is the world coming to? Well, that's an opportunity for you to turn around and say, well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> and you just start sharing your faith. I mean, God's giving you opportunities. People say to you, you know, oh, I feel so depressed. I'm just hopeless. I feel so depressed. You know, don't just go, oh, well, you know, I'm sad for you. And, you know, have a nice day. (laughs) Don't do that. No, don't give them a Christian counselor's card and say, you know what? But, you know, if you, you need somebody to talk to here, call him. That's an opportunity for you to share the hope that is in Jesus. It's an opportunity. God is always giving us opportunities. You're going to be around family and friends this coming holiday. And they're going to say to you, hey, how you doing? How's things going? Yeah, okay, what do you do with your life? Well, you know, I work and I do this and I go to church on Wednesday night. And, you know, and I go to church on Sunday morning. And, you know, I serve the Lord in, you know, children's ministry. And, you know, you get an opportunity. They'll look at you and think you're some kind of Jesus freak. And why do you go to church so much? Is there a cult over there? You know, people think Calvary Chapel's a cult. Did you know that? I've had people come visit the church and they say, you know, I had to come. Pastor, I got to tell you, I thought it was a cult going on in here. (laughs) Why? Because my husband, he likes coming there now. (laughs) I said, surely something has to be wrong. He's never liked going to church before. And he stayed awake the whole time. I thought you were handing out Kool-Aid or something. (laughs) Quarters. You know, you have an opportunity to share your faith with your family, with your friends. God arranges this meeting for Philip, and God arranges our meetings, but we have to be available. So Philip arose, the Bible says, and went. And while he was going, there was a man, an Ethiopian eunuch of great authority under Candace, the Bible says, the queen of the Ethiopians. Now, Candace, listen to me closely. Candace is not a name it's a title just like pharaoh is not a name it's a title so this eunuch 
was probably the second most powerful man in the Ethiopian empire. Obviously, he feared God. He had heard about the glory of the temple. He heard about worship and desperately wanted to go there to take it all in. But when he got there, because he was a eunuch, he couldn't go in the temple. And so he left and his heart was still hungry. And as he was returning home, sitting in his chariot, reading the scroll, which tells us, by the way, listen, watch this, that this man was incredibly wealthy. Why? Because he was reading the scroll and obviously had a driver. Although I should tell you on the 440. (laughs) I'm driving on the 440 yesterday. And this guy could not believe me eyes. This guy, I look over, this guy's behind the steering wheel. He's got the newspaper over the steering wheel and up on the dashboard. He is driving a vehicle and reading the paper. I had to follow him. I couldn't believe it. I never seen it. He was driving, you know, oh, I seen one lady. She was putting on her makeup. And both hands were off the steering wheel. Now, I had to get away from her, okay? She's going to kill someone. But this Ethiopian eunuch, the guy, he had to be very, very wealthy because he had a driver because he was reading the scroll. We also know that he was very wealthy because he owned a scroll. In those days, scrolls were very, very expensive. Not like Bibles today. You know, I counted them on my computer program. I got 17 different Bible translations on my computer program. I keep seven or six or seven of them open at all times just to compare and look at, you know, what the NRB says and whatever, whatever. We've got so many Bibles. I've worn out Bibles. I've got a shelf in my office and at home of Bibles that I've worn out. It's the worn out shelf of Bibles shelf. Got tons of Bibles. We've got all kinds of Bible, all kinds of translations today. Have you noticed that? You got the new King Jimmy. You got the King Jimmy. You got the new American standard. You got the old American standard. You got the NIV. You got the RV, which is not a recreation vehicle. It's an RV, revised version. You got the men's Bible, the devotional men's Bible, the study men's Bible, the bald men's Bible, which I have that version too. You've got the women's Bible, the mom's Bible, the moms who stay at home Bible, which I have no idea what's in that one. There's so many different Bibles and so many, you know, children's Bible and the youth Bible and the junior high Bible and the, and the Bible for dummies. That's just marketing, y'all. Bible for dummies. There's so many different Bibles. Hey, what about the Bible. What about the days when you just read the Bible and you depended on the Holy Spirit to teach you what was in there? What about that? Man, this Ethiopian eunuch, this guy had just a Bible. He was wealthy. He was powerful. He's traveling back from Jerusalem, sitting in his stretch chariot. Tinted windows. Spinners. You know, you got you you know, to you do something. That's a long trip. <laughs> Guys, wealthy. He's coming back from Jerusalem. This is a man who had everything that the world sees as important. And, and yet, this is a man who had everything 
but he actually had nothing. And here you have Philip, a man who had nothing, who actually had everything. And so Philip, this guy, the eunuch, he's headed back to Ethiopia. There are probably soldiers all around. At the same time, Philip is walking on the road less traveled, walking all alone, thirsty, probably had a leaf over his head to keep him from the shade, and nobody's around. And then all of a sudden, he hears a noise. He sees an entourage of soldiers and chariots, and it's a divine appointment. And the Spirit tells Philip, go near the chariot. Point number four, be obedient, saints. In verse 29 and 30, be obedient. You know, when God gives you those divine appointments, take them. Be obedient. You know, you get a flat tire or something like that. How about, don't freak out. How about the guy that comes up to you, maybe the truck driver who came to help you with your tire. You called AAA and they sent out a truck. Well, maybe it's that guy who needs to hear about Jesus. Maybe your flat tire, maybe your car, maybe your problem is, has more to do with what God wants to do in your life and how God wants to bless somebody through you versus what's really going on in the natural world. Don't you see Amen. that there is a spiritual element that you must consider if you want to be effective in sharing your faith, there's a spiritual element to consider that God is always behind the scenes working his plan and his purpose, even when we don't know it and we have no clue. So be obedient. Take those divine appointments and use them for the glory of God. Notice the spirit said, go near and Philip ran to him. Notice that in your Bibles in verse 29 and 30, Philip ran, Philip heard and Philip said, now, audience response, why is Philip running? Go ahead, just anybody call out. Why, why is Philip running? <coughs> Catch the chariot? Probably. It's the obvious answer. But might I submit, Philip is running not only to catch the chariot, but also Philip is running to catch the text, to catch the text. Watch this. God knows, you know, I know, God knows where this guy is reading. God is in heaven. He sees exactly where this Ethiopian eunuch is reading at this time. And God is actually setting the whole thing up. You see, God wanted Philip to get in the chariot at verse 7 and 8 of Isaiah 53. And so Philip is running, thinking he's catching the chariot, but God's got a plan. So after hearing the man reading Isaiah 53, Philip said, do you understand what you're reading? Do you understand what you're reading? Which brings us to the fifth point, saints, be tactful. Be tactful. We just read it in verses 31 through 34. Be tactful when you're sharing your faith. Listen, give me your attention. When unbelievers say something that you don't agree with, or they say something that seems completely heretical, don't say, oh man, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. <laughs> you agree with that? Say amen. Don't go, oh man, that's the most heretical thing. You have any idea what kind of heresy that is? And you make them feel bad, and you make them feel dumb. Don't do that. Don't talk down to them. Philip didn't talk down to this guy. Philip was tactful. He said, do you understand what you're reading? And I get the impression as I study the life of Philip that he was a humble guy. And he said, I think he said it something like this. You know, um, do, you, do you understand what you're reading? You understand? Humble. 
and tactful. And the eunuch then replied, how can I unless someone guides me and helps me to understand? And he told Philip to hop up in the chariot and to sit with them. And so they're reading from Isaiah 53, verse 7 and 8. And he asked Philip, he said, I beg you, tell me, who is this talking about? Question, who is this talking about? You know, it reminds me of Nicodemus who came to Jesus at night. Nick at night. I love Nick at night. Nick came to Jesus. And he said, Jesus, he says, how can a man be born again? Question. On the day of Pentecost, they said, Peter, what must we do to be saved? In chapter 16, the Philippian jailer said, what must I do to be saved? The questions. This is a wide open door for Philip. You get it? This is a wide open door, a door that we pray for. I don't know about you, but we pray for a wide open door. You know, it reminds me when I was in the military and I was stationed at uh, Marine Corps Base Camp Pendleton and probably shared the story with you that, you know, I shared the Lord with this one guy and, you know, was talking to him about Jesus and, and, and shared the Lord with him. And, and I had shared the Lord with several other people. And I said to them in time past, after I shared the Lord with them, I, you know, go through my spiel about, you know, Jesus and, you know, want to receive Christ. And I made the invitation and asked them, would they like to receive Christ? And, 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 and most of the time I was met with rejection. Most of the time, you know, I go through it and ask, would you like to receive Jesus? Uh, no. Oh, oh, okay, well, you know, especially on Marine Corps base, and they say no, I, you know, I just go, okay, no problem, just get away, you know, don't, don't hit me, you know. This one particular guy, this one particular Marine, I shared the Lord with him, and, and I said to him, I said, uh, I said uh, you know, went through everything, you know, Jesus died, and I went, like my pastor taught me to do it, you know, Jesus died, and he rose, and he's going to fill you with the Holy Spirit, and you want to be born again, and, and I went there, would you like to receive Christ as your Lord and your Savior today? And the guy looked at me, and he said, he said, yeah, I would. And I said, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> I, I didn't know what to do. I froze up. Matter of fact, I said, are you sure? <laughs> I said, look, now don't rush into this now. Look, look, you, now, you know, I tell you what, watch, give it a week and think about it because you need to be sure about this. I didn't even know what to do because, you know, you wait for these opportunities to share your faith and you wait for these opportunities to lead somebody to the Lord. And then when they finally say yes, you just kind of freeze up. Well, Philip, he knew exactly what to do. He was tactful. He was graciously sharing. Notice he didn't argue with the guy. He didn't debate with him. You know, he didn't go into all this high theological study of end times and sovereignty of man and responsibility of responsibility of man and sovereignty of God and all these things. He didn't go into any of that. He just tactfully began to preach Jesus and preach the good news. Brings us to point number six. Be precise. Look at verse 35. Philip opened his mouth. Now this is obvious, but saints, of course you understand, witnessing involves opening your mouth. Amen, saints? You know, I heard people say, well, you know what? I just live my life for Jesus. I just live my life for the Lord. I don't. You know, I don't want to, you know, I just think that if I'm just a quiet witness and I never say anything, that people will just see my life with Jesus and get saved. No, witnessing involves 
opening your mouth. You agree with that? Say amen. amen. Sometimes you need to share your faith and open your mouth. And he opened his mouth and he was willing to be bold and begin to share from the scriptures. If you're going to share your faith, you need to be simple and precise about the truth of the word of God, about the scriptures. Philip opened his mouth and he preached Jesus, which is the only thing that matters. Philip aims accurately and states precisely and deals specifically with Jesus. And you want to notice the place that they were reading from in the scriptures. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. As the lamb before his shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. When the Bible says that he opened not his, opened not his mouth, that doesn't speak of the cross. We're not talking about the cross. Because we know on the cross, Jesus did open his mouth. And he said seven statements from the cross. When the Bible says that he opened not his mouth, the Bible is talking about when he was examined by the Romans and he was beaten and he was punched in the face and he was whipped with the cat of nine tails. He opened not his mouth. He was scourged. Now, the scourging had twofold purpose. Stay with me. The scourging had a twofold purpose. Number one, it was to, to, to get the, the, the victim, the criminal, to confess his sin. Secondly, the scourging's purpose was to get the criminal or victim to implicate or to name those who were involved in the crime. Twofold purpose. Now, we know that Jesus had no sin. The Bible says he knew no sin. Amen, saints? Amen. He was sinless and perfect. So, if Jesus were to implicate someone, he would have to implicate me. He would have to implicate you. He would have to say, Rodney Finch is guilty. Rodney hasn't been immoral. Rodney has sinned against his brother, mother, friends, church, his God. Rodney has took drugs and didn't care about anyone but himself. God would have to say, Rodney is guilty and deserves the punishment of hell. But the Bible says that the lamb, before his shears is dumb, Jesus Open not his mouth against Rodney mm -hmm. and against you. And that's good news. Amen. He opened not his mouth. Jesus didn't come to accuse. He came to excuse us by the blood of Jesus. And he went to Golgotha, Calvary's cross. And the sin of the entire world was placed on his shoulders and God's wrath was satisfied and man's sins were paid for. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin has left the crimson stain, but he washed us white as snow. Amen. That's good news. So Philip now, he began precisely to share with him. And notice from the Old Testament, I like that. Philip met the man on the road to Gaza and took him to Calvary, preaching the good news of Jesus Christ to him. Point number seven and the final point, if you're going to share your faith, be patient and give opportunity for response, saints. In verse 36 through 38, this man heard the good news of the gospel and he was saved. Obviously, Philip and the eunuch have been talking about many things, including baptism. And the man said, hey, here's some water. I want to get baptized. And he commanded the chariot to stand still and they both got down and they went down into the water and Philip was baptized 
baptized that man that day. And then notice in verse 39 and 40, we just read it. When they came up out of the water, look at it again in verse 39. Look at it. You're there? Say amen. When they came up out of the water, notice the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. You see that? Not walked away, caught away. That's the same word as the rapture. We might say that Philip is raptured here, but he's not taken to heaven. He just moves to another place. And the eunuch saw him no more, but the eunuch went away rejoicing. And this wealthy eunuch, this powerful man of influence, get this, becomes the first missionary to Africa. And all of the continent of Africa is saved as a result of this man. People have an opportunity to give their lives to Christ as a result of this man receiving the gospel and taking it back to his hometown. Philip then ends up in Caesarea, the seacoast city of Caesarea. And the Bible tells us that he has a family and he has four daughters who go into the ministry and they become prophetess. And they serve the Lord because Philip was a godly, godly man. And I'm just wondering, listen, listen, give me three minutes. I am just wondering if on the way home, uh, the eunuch continued to read in Isaiah. And just three chapters later, in Isaiah 56, verse 3 and 5, it reads this. I've got it on the screen. Do not, this is what he would have probably been, been reading. Do not let the son of the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, The Lord has utterly separated me from his people. Nor let the eunuch say, here I am, a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath and choose what pleases me and holds fast my covenant, even to them I will give in my house. See, first time he went to the temple, he couldn't get in God's house. God says, I'm going to give in my house and within my walls a place and a name better than that of sons and daughters, and I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And I can imagine this eunuch as he's reading Isaiah, he gets to chapter 56, he reads this and says, that's me. That's me. Wow. Someday I'm going to go to the temple. See, eunuchs weren't allowed in the temple because they were eunuchs. Someday he's going to go to the temple. And did Philip know that this one man was going to go back to his country and change a whole nation when he took the first step to simply get up and obey and do what God tells you to do. He didn't know. Philip had no idea. And you don't know. The thing that God calls us to do is to walk by faith and not by sight and take the first step. And that first step, who knows where it will lead? You know, you're over in children's ministry serving the little kids and the three-year-olds. You don't know if one of those three-year-olds is going to be the next Billy Graham. You don't know you're teaching the fourth graders and, you know, and they, you know, you got this one fourth grader. He's really, really bad. You don't know. He might be. It's always, you know, the preachers always are the really bad ones in Sunday school. You know what I'm saying? But you don't know. Listen to this story as I close. Listen closely. Talking about the power of one man affecting people. John Eglin, listen close, would you? John Eglin had never preached a sermon in his life, never. Wasn't that he didn't want to, just never needed to. But then one morning he did. The snow left his town of Colchester, England, buried in white. When he awoke on that January Sunday in 1850, he thought of staying home. Who would go to church in such weather? 
But he reconsidered. He was, after all, a deacon. And if the deacons didn't go, who would? And so he put on his boots, his hat, his coat, and walked the six miles to the Methodist church. He wasn't the only member who considered staying home. In fact, he was one of the few who came. Only 13 people were present, 12 members and one visitor. Even the minister was snowed in. Someone suggested they go home. Eglin would hear none of that. They'd come this far, they would have a service. Besides, they had a visitor, a 13-year-old boy. But who would preach? Eglin was the only deacon. It fell on him, and so he did. His sermon lasted only 10 minutes. It drifted and wandered and made no point in an effort to make several. But at the end... Y'all don't want none of this. <laughs> but at the end, y'all done messed up my moment. <laughs> but at the end, an uncharacteristic courage settled upon the man. He lifted his eyes and he looked straight at the boy and challenged. He said, young man, look to Jesus. Look, look, look to Jesus, he said. Did the challenge make a difference? Let the boy, now a man, answer. I did look, and then and there, the cloud on my heart lifted, the darkness rolled away, and at that moment, I saw the sun. The boy's name? Charles Haddon Spurgeon, England's Prince of Preachers. You don't know how one life that you affect will change a nation. Hundreds and hundreds and millions and millions and millions of people. That's why we're called to be faithful. That's why we're called to be a witness. We're not to worry about who we're witnessing to. We're just to go and share the gospel just like Jesus told us to do. And when you do that and you leave the results up to God, God will use your life in a powerful way. God will bless you and bless all those around you and use your life to be a blessing to many, many people. If you are just step by step walking by faith. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.